This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. The question is like this. This is what we're going to discuss tonight. The question is very simple. The question is, what's this whole yontiv of Pesach that we're, that we're going into? Chodesh Nisan, Mitz Hashem. Thursday is Rish Chodesh. One day Rish Chodesh, Chodesh Nisan. Um, let's put down the Kaviyosha. You should daven. Chodesh Nisan, you should daven for, for the Neshamas. Um, there's two months. One month we down for Neshamas, which is Nisan. And once that Neshamas down for us is Tishrei. So he says that in the month of Nisan, you should, you should down for Sleep to Hillam, for Neshamas, whatever it is. Um, things start to grow in Nisan. He brings down that. And in Gilgal, um, Neshamas that come back to this world. So a lot of them are sent back to this world in, um, in the month of Nisan. Um, they end up, the way Neshamas work in Gilgal, is that Neshamas start off in Daimim. They start off in something that's um, not alive. Rocks, sand, mud, um, water, things that don't have life. Then they go, the next step to bring them up is Sameach. They end up um, from this water, sand, and Daimim things comes a plant. So then the Neshama travels from the dirt into a plant. And then from the plant, an animal comes by and eats the grass. And it's a kosher animal. Then you shech the animal. And that's how you misak in the neshama that started off all the way in, you know, in the, in the daimim. And, um, for Shabbos, you may come, you know, sometimes the neshama that's in the Gilgal has, um, the mazel, or I guess not the mazel, but it's not being punished that much that it has to go through all these steps. So sometimes that neshama is freed from the plant itself. In other words, it doesn't have to end up an animal eating the plant. So in a tomato, in a, in a, in a, in a fruit, in something that you make a bracha on, so it doesn't end up going to the next level. It can, it can skip two levels by eating a salad if the neshama is in the salad. Of course, we don't expect anyone to start talking to your salad. You know, like, who are you? What's going on? Um, I freaked out my kids this Shabbos. We were walking home from shul, and there were these two huge blackbirds, and there were huge blackbirds, and they were um, they were making noise to each other, a lot of noise. Oh, shalom aleichem, a gas from Eretz Yisrael. Okay, good. So, um, so they were making a lot of noise. Two crows. If you ever heard crows, they make a lot of noise. We know that in Gulgulim, one of the high Gulgulim of, of a person, uh, a person who's with a guy ends up in a black dog. A person who does other various ends up in a black bird. So I was telling my kids, you know, those two are probably Gulgulim talking to each other that it's really black, pure black crows, like really black birds. So um, they were making a lot of noise, one on one side of the street, one on the other side of the street. So as a joke, I yelled up to, to the two birds. I said, I'm Michael you on anything you ever did. Hashem's Michael you. You have nothing to worry about. And after I said that, they both took off. <laughs> Not, and they didn't make another sound. So my girls were like freaking out, whatever. It's just probably luck, whatever. whatever. Anyway, so, so, um, so it talks in the Chodesh Nisan is when things begin to bloom. So it's a time to daven for, you know, for these Neshamas. And, and there's a story, um, a story in the Avas Chaim brings down a story. I don't remember what Parsha was brought in. It brought down a story of a woman who took an apple and instead of making a Bari Priya, made a Bari Priya Dhamma on the apple. And that night she had a dream. 
and the neshama was screaming, some yes, person or whatever was screaming at her in a dream that I started in the dirt hundreds of years ago, I ended up in the tree, and then from the tree I ended up in the apple, and I was just waiting for a Jew to come by to make a bracha, to be Messiah. And, and the reason I'm, I'm not here tonight to, to spook you and to tell you Gilgul stories, there's a reason I'm telling you these stories because it's, it's very connected to my share, which you'll see in a few minutes. Um, so so the, the, the neshama that waited so long, in the ground, in the roots, up the tree, in the tree, finally became a fruit, and a Jewish woman ends up buying that apple that the neshama's in, and the neshama's like, okay, I'm done. Because once the tikkun is done, it goes to Shemayim, and it rests in its place that it needs to be. And, and here she takes the apple, and she goes, Baruch HaTashem, you can imagine the neshama was like, here we go, you know, I'm going to Ganeiden, and she goes, Boy, Priyadama, you know, wrong bracha. It happens to be that if you make a Boy, Priyadama on her eight, you're yaitza. But it wasn't the bracha that, that, that was supposed to be. So he came to her in a dream. And he said, I'm not Michael you. That you didn't make, you didn't make the right bracha. So she said, how will you be Michael me? So I don't know what, I don't remember exactly the story. She had to do tshuva and make other brachas, whatever it is. And then he came back in a dream and said that I was let go. So it's very important. Again, I don't expect you to sit home and you take an apple and say, hey ma, guess what, I'm going to make a bracha, I'm going to save a soul. Well, you tell that to your wife or your Rebbe, they're going to say, don't ever go to Red Wallace and share again. <laughs> you can have people, you know, going out to eat and kosher delight and making brachas and talking to their sino steak and like, where, do you, where, where did you come from? Like, where were you? Like, but, but it is important that when you eat something that you should make the correct bracha and that you should make a bracha. The reason I'm telling you this is the, the question is, and we've spoken about this in the years past. We're going to go a little bit deeper this year. The question is, what's up with this Pesach business? Um, Hashem is, Hashem, you know, the Torah tells us things not to do that are bad for us, right? Things that you shouldn't do that are bad. You shouldn't eat non-kosher fish. You shouldn't eat non-kosher meat. You shouldn't eat not. You shouldn't eat meat and milk together. But the Torah never tells us that you can't eat bread. Bread, in fact... Um, is used for any time that we do something with a mitzvah or a simcha, is that lacha that you're supposed to wash. Um, not only that, but bread is extra holy more than anything else because you have to bench on it, right? So, um, is on bread. So the Torah is not anti-bread, that's for sure. Um, the, the Torah... You know, you make a, a, a bris milah, you gotta wash on bread. You make a pidyon ben, you gotta wash on bread. By wedding, sudas mitzvah, you gotta wash on bread. You make a siyum, you gotta wash on bread. Anytime you have a sudas mitzvah Shabbos, you gotta wash three times on bread. So, what happens on Pesach that God is saying that you can't eat bread? There's no, there's nothing else that we have, that there's a time that you can't eat it. There's a time you can't eat. In Kippur, you can't eat anything, right? Um, there are certain halachas in the Torah, you can't eat milk and meat together, you can't eat pork, you can't eat... But something that's allowed a whole year, if you're not fasting, um, except for meat during the nine days, which is not Menat Torah, it's a Rabbanon, right? Um, and, and the Sfardim, they don't hold that either, only Shur Shecholboy, and if Tisha B'Av comes out on Sunday, they can eat meat till Tisha B'Av. So, so what, what's, what's going on over here? And we have to get a little bit of an understanding. Um, we have this holiday, Sukkot we understand, right? Keep a Sukkot taste through. Shivas Yamin. We keep Sukkot, we build a Sukkah, 
because we were in the desert and we had circus, right? So there's a reason to remember the circus that we lived in. We lived in Shavuos, Zmatan Taira. What's Pesach, guys? Zecher liyitzias Mitzrayim. Zecher liyitzias Mitzrayim. So the matzah part and the carbon Pesach part, I understand that's a zechel yitzias mitzrayim, but the chametz part, right? That's not a zechel yitzias mitzrayim. So, what's this yom all about? You know, I ask this to kids in my class, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, you're cleaning your chametz for the last thirteen years. Your mother's making you crazy. You check out everything that has to be kosher to Pesach, and you have no idea why. And I'm not going to even ask the guys in this room, why can't you eat bread on Pesach? I, you can say, it says in the Torah, it's a chayk, eh? But we want to go a little bit into, into what's going on here. Also, it's a very interesting holiday because our holidays have either negative or positive. Yom Kippur, you can't eat nothing. You can't wear shoes, right? You can't wash. You're not allowed to do certain things. Sukkah is, the sukkah is you should eat in a sukkah, right? Shavuos doesn't really have, have a mitzvah, really, Shavuos. I mean, we're supposed to stay up all night, but Pesach has a double edge. There's a negative and there's a positive. You have to drink, you have, well, wine's not that rice either. You have to eat matzah and carbon Pesach. On the other side, there's a negative. You're not allowed to have chametz. You're not allowed to see chametz. You're not allowed to eat chametz. You're not allowed to own chametz. It's like crazy stuff with the halakhs of chametz. So this holiday, is a two-part holiday. It's a negative and a positive. Negative is you can't, and the positive you have to. It's a very unique holiday, that you have a negative and a positive. The whole holiday represents, is, is juxtaposed, I wanted to use that word tonight. Um, it's juxtaposed because you have, you have remembering Mitzrayim that you were a slave, and being a king, that you're royalty. And they're, they're, they're together, and they're two opposites. And the whole Seder, one of the questions that the kids are asking is, you know, you're sitting there and you're leaning and you're drinking your wine like you're a king, right? And then, all of a sudden, you know, your father, or if you come to my Seder, I give you a nice portion of murder, right, that white stuff, and you're dancing and you're screaming and you're crying and the water's running down your eyes. And the kid's like, make up your mind. Is it party time tonight? You know, we're drinking? Or is it crying time tonight? And, and, and you know, and in the beginning of that got the, we were slaves and everyone tried to kill us. And then at the end, hallelujah. You know, you're singing hallel. You know, hallelujah. And you, chagadja. Make up your mind. You know, how about the first night, slavery part? And the second night, you know, party part, king part. Okay, next show you can't do that. You'd be, you'd be messed up, right? So, yes. You said that, you said that the chametz, it's not really that it's, you don't get it from Yitzhak Mitzrayim, but couldn't you say, like, the chametz uh, is the inner, like inside yourself, you're getting rid of your event? Absolutely, that's where we're going with. Yitzhak Mitzrayim, you're getting ready for Matzim Preparing yourself, right, 100%. You are mechavein, ruch ha-kaydish, you're mechavein the answer. So, so... It's a little more, it's a little, it's a little deeper than that, but that's the answer. But that's the answer, that's the answer. So, so, I don't know if I have this, if I brought it with me. A girl, let's see if I was smart enough to bring it with me. So we gave a, ah, beautiful. We gave a report to, in, a, in my, um, we gave, she's gonna be very happy she's on tour anytime. Call Lushan. 
Um, so we gave a report in my high school on on Pesach, on on your understanding of Pesach. There's a girl in 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 our high school. Her name is Chayasuri Klein um, from Lakewood. She's in the high school, and she wrote the following um, report or, or following her take on what Pesach stands for, and and she couldn't have written better for my share tonight. And she writes on top, instead of Baruch Hashem based on Machdalat, I love God. So that's, that's a good beginning, right? And, you know, we write Baruch Hashem in the corner, nobody ever wrote I love God in the corner, so, beautiful. Okay, so she writes, she's, she's a very brilliant kid. Listen to what, what, what she writes. I'd like to get this printed maybe in some of the newspapers before Pesach. She writes the following. Pain, slavery, like the Jews in Egypt struggling under the coils of bondage. Life is so different now. No one governs our lives but us, right? We're all free. America, you're free. Yet, we are still slaves. Slaves to fashion, slaves to drugs, slaves to emotion and addiction, slaves to our desire to fit in. See, she's been in my share once in a while. <laughs> slaves to our desire to fit in. She didn't write slaves to uh, Facebook. Okay. Um, she missed a couple of shares. Um, slaves to Facebook. Slaves to the Internet. Yet, listen to this, yet still a slave to our attempts to show that we're different. Everyone's busy, um, kids at risk, right? Everyone's busy rebelling. Rebellion is looked at as freedom. But you're a slave to your rebellion. Which is very deep thought, and she's 100% right. I, mean, I spoke about this a few weeks ago. You're a slave to your rebellion. Because when a person rebels, whether it's against God or yeshiva or his spirit, whatever it is, you're a slave to that. In other words, all you know is rebellion. I gotta rebel. Ah, you're causing, you're causing a lot of people pain. You're sometimes causing yourself pain. I gotta rebel. I gotta be different. But you're not different. Because you're part of a rebellion. And there's a lot of people rebelling. So you're not different. You're not different. You're just a, a cell amongst another thousand cells that are all rebelling. So rebelling is not individuality. Sometimes not rebelling is individuality. When all your friends are rebelling and you're not part of that group, guess what? You're an individual. The big, the big thing about rebelling is being different. And I taught this class and I'm, these girls in my school that rebelling is being the same as all the other kids are rebelling. So you're not any different than I am. I'm together with a bunch of people who are not rebelling. You're together with a bunch of people who are rebelling. You're not an individual. You're part of a gang. Part of a group. So, the person in the rebellion who's not rebelling, that's the individual. When your whole chavra, your whole group, they're all doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and you say no, then you're rebelling against the rebellion, which makes you an individual. Work it out, guys. Work it out. Okay. Um, she goes on. Different times, different struggles, but always a slave. Except for Passover, the time when God redeemed the Jews, freeing them from their slavery. It is the time for us, too, to break free from that which we find ourselves a slave to. Now you do. So this is what she wrote, is really what, what my share is about tonight, and what, what you were saying. Chametz, Chametz, so it's called Sa'ar Shabi'isa. Chametz, another word for Chametz is the, the yeast 
what gives rise to the to the chala in the dough. And we're, I'm going to read from a little bit from Kaliyasha that chametz represents the satan. Chametz represents the Yitzhahara. The lesson, and this is such an important lesson, the lesson of Pesach is that before you sit down to your Seder and you develop this relationship with God, which we'll talk about, before you become free, before you become royalty, and what's royalty? Royalty is not belonging to the Queen of England because we see where that royalty goes, right? Royalty is belonging to the King of the World. So we're all royalty because we're all the children of God and that makes you a prince, a prince of the world. God is the king of the world. And if God's the king of the world and I'm his child, then I'm a prince of the world. If I deny that I'm his child, I'm an atheist, you're an idiot. Because if you're an atheist, you could have been prince. Instead, you're a toilet flusher. You're a, you're a peasant. You just cut yourself off. I'm an atheist. You're an idiot. Because you're, it's like the prince walking away from the king and saying, I am not. I do not. I'm not true blood. I'm not blue blood. I'm not. I'm not royalty. I'm a. I'm a slave. I'm a, so. So Hashem is saying, "You're my children." You're saying, "I'm not your child. I'm not godly. I'm not Selim Elokim. I'm not in, in the form of God. I'm a dog. I'm a horse. I'm a cow. I just stand up instead of on my. I also have four, right? You know, hands and feet. Instead of crawling, I'm. I'm a walking cow. I'm a walking dog. What's the how, how do you know that you're not a walking cow? You're not a walking dog? So you would be, you're, you're a different animal, right? We're, we're called mammals. We're called in science animals, right? We're an animal. So if I'm an animal, what's the difference between me and the dog? In fact, in certain aspects, the dog is way ahead of me because he can hear a sound from a dog whistle that I can't hear. And he can run a lot faster than me. And he can bite a lot deeper than I can. So if we're going to do animal, and he can smell, I can't smell the way he smells the scent, right? So if I'm an animal, in the animal world, human being ain't up there. You're not up there. We'll put you in South Africa in the jungle. You're not going to last very long. You're going to meet all your other animal friends, a lion and a tiger, a couple of pythons, right? All of a sudden you're going to realize that the human being as an animal, we're not much. We're going to have a gun and a knife. And a couple of grenades and a tank and an airplane with bombs and that, that. But as us against the animal kingdom, we're all dead. We'll eat us for lunch. Literally eat us for lunch. Right? So we're not, we're not, so, so what makes us great? What makes us great is that we were created in the form of Hashem. We have brains. We think things out. We communicate. And we are one with Hashem. So when the lion shows up, I'm like, you're an animal. I'm the prince of the world. My father is a Baruch Hu. So by denying that, you're a fool. If anything, you should spend your whole life trying to prove that you're royalty instead of trying to disprove. Because if you prove that you're royalty, then you're a prince. If you disprove that you're royalty, you're a horse. Well, not even a horse is much faster. So that's our objective. Our objective is to learn Torah and to get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because the closer we get to God, and the more that we prove that there is a God, and the Torah is true, and it says that we're at Selim Alakim, so it's sort of like, like, like being a peasant, and then someone whispering to you, you're not a peasant, you are the prince of the world. And you're like, 
Really? How am I going to prove it? We got books. We're going to go to the library. We're going to find, we're going to find your great grandfather, your great grandfather and connections and that. You're going to say, no, I don't want to know that. I want, you know, I want to be, I want to be a peasant. You're going to say, if you could prove this, this would be amazing. Well, learning Torah and doing mitzvahs, that's our proof. That's getting close to Kresh to say that I am a prince. So, so instead of denying it and making yourself into a nobody, you should spend your whole life trying to make sure and to prove that I am, that I am the child of God. And of course, the Torah says straight up that we're at Salamolikim. So, one of the, the way that we connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is through the physical things in this world. And this is what Pesach is all about, by the way. So, there's nothing physically in this world that we don't connect to Hashem. The sun, Ere Pesach, we're doing Bechas The moon, every 30 days, you do Kirish Levana. Anything that grows in the world has a bracha. Right? The, the trees begin to bloom. In Nisa, this coming month, we make a bracha. Uh, you eat a vegetable, you make a bracha. You eat a fruit, you make a bracha. Lightning, you make a bracha. Thunder, you make a bracha. On mountains, you make a bracha. On the sea, you make a bracha. On uh, someone who dies, the end of life, you make a bracha. Die in MS. You go to the bathroom, which is one of the lowest functions of a human being, you say, Ashiyatzah. Everything that you eat, whether it's water or, or candy or vegetables or bread, has a bracha. Everything... What Hashem did by giving us the Torah is that everything that exists in this world, us low-life human beings on the low level that we are, we have a connection to take that physical item and make it spiritual. And that is the job of a human being, of a Jew. A Jew's job in this world is to take the physical parts of this world and make them spiritual. When Moshe Rabbeinu came up to get the Torah... And Malachim said, no way are we giving it. Says you shouldn't steal, they're going to steal. Says you shouldn't commit adultery, they're going to commit adultery. Everything it says in the Torah, they're all going to do it. So much of said, yeah, but you're Malachim. You can't connect what it says in the Torah to God. Because you don't have a father, so you can't do give it a vein. You don't eat, so you can't make a boy pre age. You don't go to the bathroom. You can't say Ashayatza. Right? Everything, every physical act that a human being has, right, has a bracha or a machshava. You get married, there's Shema Brachos, right? It's Hariyabakudeshesli. Even the act of getting married, anything physical in this world has a spiritual connection to the next world. And, and the next world is connected to this world and they work together. When you do a mitzvah here, it's sort of like a puppet string. You're pulling the string and, and you're creating something up there. Actually, there's actually a mirror. I'm not going to go into this, but every person in this room has a person up in Shemayim, a neshama that's in your shape, exactly, that everything that you do down here, they're doing up there. So you think about what's going on. Okay? It's pretty scary. There's a connection between our neshama, our ruach, neshama here, neshama there, ruach here, ruach, ruach there, nefesh here, nefesh there. It's all connected. It's all very, very connected. So, Pesach, when it comes to Pesach, we have to do two things. We first have to get rid of the bad, Sumera, and then we can do the Asetayv. So Chametz, there's nothing, wrong with, there's nothing wrong with bread. There's nothing wrong with cake. There's nothing wrong with Chametz. What happens is that on your... Okay, it's, it's, it's a very deep shirt. It's, it's, it's partly from Shem Shem Pingas. I'm going to try to explain it as much as I can. On your Kippur... You get rid of your Averis in the spiritual realm because you're, you're doing spiritual things. 
You're not eating. You're not doing physical things. It's the opposite of what we're doing here. You're not eating. You're not drinking. You can't have relations with your wife. You're not wearing shoes. So it's all the not stuff. The not stuff is a negative connect. Is, is is me removing bad stuff. But it's not physical. In other words, I'm not really connecting the physical world with the spiritual. And that's why Arab Yom Kippur is a mitzvah to eat. Because that connects the eating, connects chametz on Pesach. When you vacuum that, that crumb, when you vacuum your car, and you're vacuuming that crumb, there's a hirotzon that you're supposed to say when you do that. And I'll read it from inside. You're supposed to say, Hashem, just like I'm, I'm vacuuming this crumb... You should vacuum the crumbs of my soul. <clears throat> You're vacuuming a piece of cake. What does that have to do with my soul? And the answer is that on Pesach, before Pesach, you're doing, you're, you're removing physical things that are connected to your spiritual things. So you have to clean out your whole neshama, so to say, by doing the dikas chametz, right? Now, the, the night before the, the Rebbe's, when they used to do Bidigas Chametz, it took from when, from when the sun went, from when they davened Mayrib until the sun came up. They used to, to do a house with two rooms, three rooms. It would take, Rabbi Gamliel takes a whole night also. To do three rooms would take them eight hours. I have a house, I think I have 17 rooms, with all the rooms all over the place. It takes me an hour and a half. And they had two rooms and it took them a whole night. Why? Because they would go with a candle. First of all, you can't just turn on a light, right? They would go with a candle and they'd go into the corner of every crevice that's possible and they would say, in this chus of me going into this corner and looking for the chametz, Hashem, it's like I'm in, if you can imagine with your eyes closed, like you're in your soul. And your soul has these millions of chambers. All these sins that you did. Girls and stuff and things you weren't supposed to look at and things you weren't supposed to listen to and Everyone knows there are various. And you have this neshama that's a huge mansion. It has thousands of rooms in it. All the sins you did, thousands, hundreds of thousands of sins that you did. Now you got to get rid of them. The first part of getting rid of them is vidoy, it's finding them. So in Kabbalah, when you do bedikas chametz, you're supposed to have kavana. When you go in the corner, you're supposed to close your eyes and it's like you're in your soul. And you're in the room, let's say, uh, whatever, whatever they have there was, you ate something non-kosher. And you're in the room of the thing that's not kosher. And, and you remember, you went into that Burger King. And you remember, and you see the burger in the corner, on the table, where you were, in that room. And you take your little candle with your little spoon and your little feather, and you, you take that Avera, and you put it in the spoon, and I'm going to take this Avera tomorrow, and I'm going to burn it! Bir Chametz! I'm going to say, Kol Chamira V'Chamira De'ikim B'Shusi, any Avera that I have in my Nefesh, Hefker Ka'afra it's gone, it's over, it's, it's like nothing, it's like dust. And you're going to throw it into the fire, you're going to watch it burn. Now, if you're going to go into your soul when you do Bidigas Chametz into every Avera that way, it's going to take you a few days. It'll take you a long time. That's what they used to do. These Sadiqim used to close their eyes and they went into the corner with their candle and they would go into their own soul. Because the whole preparation for the Seder is taking the physical world and what you're doing in the physical world mirroring it in the spiritual world. And therefore, the night before, you got to clean it all out. And then the next day, you got to sell it to the guy. All your avarice, all your bad stuff, all his Facebook, 
and his rap music and his dirty magazines and his, his stupid culture that you're part of. And all the garbage that you're part of, it's not for us. I'm a vatalit. I don't want to have anything to do with it. It's hefker and whatever is left. Hashem, give it to the Goyim. It's not for me. I'm a Jew. I don't know how to have all this stuff. It's, and I'll tell you very interesting. The tzaddik happens to be in the room right now. But last year, I had the best beer chametz that I ever had in my life. Because I gave a shir, and I talked about DVDs, and there's a lot of people that today, I don't have a television, but I have 975 DVDs. <laughs> categorized, in order, in alphabetical order, and rated, I have from rated G to rated Z, right? From <laughs> all the way across. And so this guy shows up at my house, I'm burning the chametz in the big garbage can, comes with a suitcase. Right, a big single, big, I'm like, actually wasn't a suitcase, it was a shoebox. Big shoebox. I'm like, okay, he brought me his bread and his cereal boxes and everything. He says, Rebbe, it's beer chametz, it's time to burn the chametz. I'm like, okay, what do you got? I opened the box, I think it was 500, maybe more, 500 DVDs. He said, I'm done. I'm burning the real chametz. To go to your house and take a piece of bread out of your freezer and put it in the fire, yay. Very nice. Very proud of you. To go in your house and take all your schmutz, all your spiritual dirt, and throw that into the fire, that's a real beer chametz. And let me tell you, I never knew that DVDs, they burn. <laughs> like, stuff's dangerous. It's like, it just, phew, because it's plastic. And we watched all those DVDs burn. All of it. Everything that was in them, all the various. Baruch Hashem, and that's chutz, he learned unbelievable this year, because he went into his neshama, and, and, he, and he burnt out all the garbage. So, so Pesach, it's a very different holiday. It's a holiday where everything you do is physical, and the physical stuff that you do has a crazy reaction in the spiritual world. So you can't come to eating matzah. You can't come to eating matzah until you get rid of your chametz. It's a mistake that a lot of us make. I'm a good Jew. Okay, so I look at things I'm not supposed to, and I listen to things I'm not supposed to, and I say things I'm not supposed to. But down deep, I'm really a good guy. You can't have a mashahu of chametz when you come into Pesach. You can't have a drop. You can't, you can't have a crumb. What's a crumb? What's a crumb? Not even a crumb. Because what is it called? It's called sha'or shebi isa. I'll tell you what that means. It's called the yeast. The yeast in the dough. And the satan is called the yeast in the dough. And the matzah represents the opposite, the yetzatayv. Where do you see yetzatayv and matzah? And where do you see yetzahara? In, in challah. So, many years ago, my, my mother never baked challah. So I never saw my mother bake challah. My grandmother baked a lot of cakes, but she also didn't bake challah. We used to buy challah. So I never saw her bake challah. My wife didn't bake challah, so I never saw anyone bake challah, to tell you the truth. Now, there's a very big thing, big schooler, big schooler, everybody is very, you know, into schoolers, is that the Shabbos after Pesach, Right? That's the first challah that's made after Pesach. It's called Schlissel challah. Schlissel challah means a key. So, I don't know if it's far to do this, but we're all into, into this. So you take the key, right? And you wrap it in aluminum foil, and you stick it into the dough, and then you bake the challah, and then on Shabbos, when you cut open the challah, you take out the key. Of course, you don't eat it, you don't swallow it, you take out the key. So, I, you know, so a lot of people do this, it's called Shlisel Chala, and, and you know, it's very, very nice, and some, some people even send it to me, my sister-in-law, but my wife doesn't bake, but I was having a bad year in business, so I decided, I decided, 
I gotta have shlisel challah. But my wife doesn't bake. You know, you have to know how to bake. You have to know what you're doing, whatever it is. She doesn't bake challahs. She bakes, she doesn't bake challahs. So, I said, okay, I'm gonna go to Glotmart. Glotmart has, um, challahs, right, that are, that are frozen in the freezer, right, and they're in a little blue box. I forgot the name of the company that makes them. Can, uh, Kosher. Canary Kosher, right, and, and therefore you just take that challah and you stick it in the oven and have a nice day. Stick a key in, and that's it. You don't have to make the dough and give away the challah, make the bracha with all the stuff. Okay. So my wife says, I said, you know what? I'm taking the safe deposit box key. Not my house key. I'm taking the safe deposit box key. I'm going to have good schlissel in my challah, right? My box, right? I'm going to say a thriller that, uh, just like the challah rose, you know, my, 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 my life savings should rise. But at that point, I didn't, I didn't know anything about challah. So, I come to Glotbar, very embarrassing story. I shouldn't really say it on, 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 on camera, because it's pretty embarrassing. But I come to Glotbar, I remember it like today. I go to the freezer, I open up the freezer, I'm looking for challah to buy, you know, for my wife to bake. And there's this little blue box. Canary kosher, pre-made challah. I'm looking, and they're all the same size, and I'm like, I don't want to bring home a bilkula, right? I don't want to bring home a little, my wife didn't little one of those little bilkulas. I want a challah like I have every Shabbos, like this, right? I'm looking through the boxes, I'm looking through the box. Ain't nothing happening, right? So I asked the, the, the Mexican guy, right, that's, that's working over there. I'm like, where do you have the big challahs? He says, hey man, there's only one size, only one size. I'm like, there's a little teeny challah. Where the big challahs? He goes, I don't know man, there's only one size. So, before I leave to go make a fool out of myself in another store, um, I go up to the cash register and I'm like, this is for Bill Clark. Do you have any, like, my, I want, for big challahs? And the girl says, I don't know what you're talking about. This is for, it says challah, not Bill Clark. It says challah. I said, I know, but this is my wife. I said, you know what? It's Arab Shabbos and I get into trouble. I'll take a few of them. <laughs> right? I'll take a few of them so she won't get angry at me because if you come on with the wrong stuff, it, it's just... It just turns into a big mess, right? So, so I bought myself three blo- three boxes. I come home. I'm like, Esty, I'm really sorry. And I went to Glotmart. They didn't have the large size. So what are you talking about? I'm like, they only have the teeny bilkula. She says, is there something wrong with you? I'm like, no. She says, take out the box, put it on a piece of paper, and cover it with a cover each one with a uh, with a towel. And you'll see, you know, like, she looked at me like I'm out of my mind, right? Three hours later, you picked up the towel, challah was this big. <laughs> you see, dough with yeast rises on its own. I didn't know that. So I'm looking for this big box, right? It's a teeny little challah, but after three hours, it's a huge challah. And that's what Sa'ar Shabi'isa means. That is the Satan. The Satan says, don't do any work. Chill, hang out. Stuff's just gonna happen. Just stuff's gonna happen. Stuff happens. You know, this generation, like, what are you doing? Hey man, stuff happens, you know? <laughs> stuff just happens. Challah just happens. It's random. It's a random challah. You cover it with a, you cover it with a towel and three hours later, there's a random challah under that towel, right? That's the satan. The satan is no work. And of course, we know one of the reasons that we're in a recession that we are, I was, haven't I been reading just a report on it, is because Everyone stopped working. Everybody had their money in the stock market. You know, you watch the screen, up, down, green, red, this, that. You didn't have to work. You didn't sweat. Nobody sweated. There were hundreds and thousands of people in all these brokerage firms, right? You didn't do nothing. You gave a slip and buy. You gave a slip and sell. 
Nobody's a shoemaker. Nobody has to work anymore. There's no farmers. There's no money. People just make money. Either you're a mortgage broker, right? Bank came. They looked at your house. It was worth twenty thousand. They said it's worth four hundred thousand. You signed the paper. The bank sent you a check for four hundred thousand dollars. You didn't know what to do with it, right? Nobody worked anymore. It was all should be Issa. Everybody just sat back, and their brokers made them the money. They didn't even know how much money they had. Every night you go on your lawn, you go online, and you look how much money you had. You didn't work. You didn't sweat. You didn't even know what money. It was money on a screen. It wasn't even real money. It went up. It went down. Right? Casinos are doing billions of dollars of business because nobody wants to work. I want to go into a casino. I want to pull a slot down, put three bucks in it, and win a million dollars. That would have never worked 300 years ago. 300 years ago, they would say, I don't even want that money. I want to work for my money. We look at them like they're out of their minds, our generation. I work for your money. Who works for their money? Nobody works for their money. Right? So that's the Yetzirah. That's the Sa'or Shabi Isa. Nobody wants to work. Matzah is the opposite. Matzah, you take the flour, if you ever went to a matzah factory, you take the flour and you mix it with water. From the second that the flour touches the water, it cannot be left alone for a second. Because if you leave it alone, it'll rise. So, the guy takes it and he starts to knead it and he starts to knead big muscles, these guys. And they're working on it and they're working on it and then it becomes a dough and then they roll it and then they cut it. Then they throw it to the ladies and they're rolling and they're rolling and they're rolling. Not for one second. And the minute it's rolled into a round thing, they put it on a stick and the guy takes a stick and he has that machine. Right? And it makes those holes in it. Then they take that and they put it into the oven. From when the flour touches the water, it's usually under two minutes till it's a baked matzah. Matzah represents work. Never leaving it alone. Learning, davening, working, schwitzing. Not just letting things just happen, but making them happen. Yitzhara says, don't make it happen, it'll happen on its own. The matzah represents just the opposite. Therefore, you gotta get rid of your laziness, you gotta get rid of that, that sa'or should be isa. The sa'or should be isa means the yeast. The rising without work. Just cover me with a towel, right? And I'll, in, in ten years from now, I'll take the towel off, I'll be a big tamachachim. What'd you do? Did you learn? Did you schmitz? No. I listened to a couple of tapes. I'm in my car, I listened to a couple of things. Did you sit? Did you harvest? Did you work? Did you ask questions? Did you go into it deeply? Now I listened to a tape while Steve was talking. Tell me a couple of Torahs. I'm learning. I'm a Tamakhak. I'm about. No, that's very good. I'm not telling you not to listen to tapes. But when was the last time you sat down and you schwitzed? You worked on a piece of Gemara. And you asked the guy next to you, I don't understand the Gemara. What does it mean? And you argued and you fought and you asked the Rebbe and you took out Rishayim and Achrayim and Machlekes. And anyone who learns, who really learns, will tell you that the, the learning that sticks with you, right? My Shurim, you're sleeping 25 minutes into it. But the, 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 the things that stick with you are the things that you do yourself, that you work. The Gemara says, I believe it's in Bava Metziah, the Gemara says that if you plant tomatoes, right, let's say a pound of tomatoes, and somebody steals those pounds of tomatoes, it's called Tisha Kavan. You have to pay him nine pounds of tomatoes back. But if you go to a store and you buy a pound of tomatoes and someone steals from you, then you only have to, the guy only has to pay you back a pound. Why? Because the tomatoes that you grew, they're worth nine times the amount of the tomatoes that you bought. Because you worked. You planted. You weeded. You, 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 you put the right peat moss in there and the right dirt in there. And you checked it out every day. What you work on has a value. Yitzhahara says, chill, man. Just hang out. It's the one, two, three. You want a, you want a meal? You don't got to cook it up. Go to Kosher Delight. One minute you order it. They don't even have to tell. They don't even have to turn around and tell the guy in the back what you ordered. At least when I was growing up, right? You ordered a burger. He turned around. Burger, no onions. Today they put it in the cash register and it goes on the computer and the guy in the back. He doesn't even have to talk, right? You tell the guy burger or you point to it. Nobody has to say a word. You point to burger. 
He types in burger. The guy in the back makes the burger. Comes back out. Nobody even has to talk to each other. Nobody has to do nothing anymore. Nothing. You have to do anything anymore. We live in the world. You got your cell phone, right? Pop, phone call. When I never... I have. I still have a phone. I should bring it in here. You wouldn't. You guys wouldn't even know what it is. <laughs> you wouldn't even know what it is. There was a thing called many moons ago when I was growing up, when there were dinosaurs in the world. <laughs> there was a phone called a rotary phone. Now, you have to actually stick your finger in a hole, <laughs> in the hole that had the number, like three, five, six, three. And now, actually, the real old ones, you have to go back with it. Three, back. Five, back. Six, back. To make a phone call, you have to, to earn it, right? <laughs> Today, now, when the cell phones came out, I was one of the first guys to have a cell phone, by the way. It was this big <laughs> in my car, right? It was really this big. And didn't work half the time. The antenna, it didn't, it didn't work. But you had a cell phone, so it was, like, really cool. Um, you had to dial the number. Today... I'm sitting in a car, and the guy goes, Chaim! <laughs> phone starts ringing. Hi, it's Chaim. It's all programmed in the phone. You don't have to dial. Right? You all have those phones, right? You just talk to the phone. Yehuda Friedman. So it starts to guess. You should do it. But, uh, oh, And you're like, no, 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 no. And, and, and I haven't been sitting with a guy who's so lazy, like, when you say the name into the phone, it depends on how good the phone is. They don't always recognize it. You know, Rabbi Wallerstein, it'll come out. Rabbit? Rabbit with ears? Rabbit with that, right? So I'm saying all kinds of crazy things. So you say, finally the guy's not going to say, okay, forget it. It doesn't understand me, right? No, he says it again. <laughs> and it comes up with three other random crazy names, right? And he will not dial. He will not dial. He will keep saying it till he starts cursing at the, at the computer on the phone. You idiot, can't you hear what I'm saying? And one day the computer, the phone's going to answer back. No, you're the idiot. I'm not the idiot, right? <laughs> but... It's, it's, it's what we live in, you know, uh, I'm part of it, I'm part of it. Tonight I went to a wedding, there's no way I could find that wedding. There's no way, I didn't know where it was, it was in Queens, I didn't know where it was, so I put the address in my computer, and um, it was a little bit Kol Isha, because she was talking to me the whole way there, right, <laughs> with a British accent, and, and my car was talking to me the whole time, left, right, a uh, quarter of a mile this, a very nice, very nice lady. Um, <laughs> she started singing a little bit. I was like, hey, wait, wait, wait you know, I guess the, the new infinity, it's like, you know, if you get a little bored and you're on the way, it's like, how about half a mile, look for a sign, you know, it's like very cool. And soon, and soon the car will drive on its own, you won't have to do anything. But in the old days, you had to actually roll down your window, feel some air on your face, maybe, you know, and ask somebody, what do I have to do? You don't got to talk to nobody. You don't got to ask nobody. You could have a mobile speed pass, right, and just wave it at the gas thing. You don't need no gas guy to give you the gas. You don't need no credit card. Everything. You don't got to do nothing anymore. What's What happened from that? What happened from that is you had an economy that totally crashed <coughs> because nobody knows how to work. Nobody knows, Nobody wants to work. So everybody was making billions and millions, and that's the Sa'ar. That's the Chametz. HaKadosh created a world to take the objects that he created in the world and connect it to him. Not connect it to AT&T, but connect it to him. And when you talk to another person, that's a connection to another human being who's part of Hashem, you're connecting to Hashem. 
I don't know talking on a phone. I never got the halacha clearly. You know, if you make a bracha on the phone, if, you have, if someone makes a bracha Abdullah, or if you have to say amen or whatever the halacha is. But a phone is a very different thing. So, so when we come in, and we'll have to continue next week because it's it's a very long it's a very long shear. But when we come into this into the into the seder, okay, the seder we build in the seder a human being from scratch because. On the Seder night, when Pesach happened, HaKadosh Baruch Hu built Kleisrael as a nation. We were not a nation. There was Avram Avinu, and there was Sadiqim, and there was Shvatim. The nation happened midnight, Pesach night. So every year, Pesach night, we are creating a nation. What is the nation made out of? What is the nation made out of? Individuals. You don't have individuals, you don't have a nation. So that means every Pesach night, each one of us has to be recreated to be part of that nation. Pesach night, we create each one of us. And I will speak a little bit more about it next week, but the Gemara says that the father, what does the father give to the child? He gives all the white. Anything that's white in your body comes from your father. The, the white skin, the, well, actually, not, I don't know about the skin, the bones, the bones of a person, the white of your eyes, your teeth, right? Anything that's white, it comes from the father. Anything that's color comes from the mother. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to have your mother's color of her eyes, but that you have color in your eyes comes from your mother. It doesn't mean you're going to have the color hair of your mother, but that you have color in your hair, you're not an albino, comes from your mother. So, anything color in your body, the most important part is blood, the red blood in your body, comes from your mom. The white of your body, the bone, the structure which is the basis of the human being, because if you don't have bones, then there's nothing to put the veins on to carry the blood, and nothing to put the organs on. So the bones of a person is the frame of a person. If, <coughs> right? But if you, if you took a person's body, and you took off all his skin, right? You put him through a fire. Took off all his skin, and his eye, everything's gone, just the skeleton of the body, then you know that's a human, it's a skeleton. You look at it, you know that's a human being. Right, you look at a skeleton, you know it's a human being. Take the skeleton out of the body, right? Take the skeleton out of the body and just have mush, skin with blood, with all that. You're looking at a blob, you have no idea what that is. It could be a dog, it could be a cat, it could be a human being, it could be a, it could be a cow. It, it, you can't tell. The, the, the way that you can tell the structure of a human being is by his cellar, by his, by his, by his skeleton. So, the basis of a human being comes from the father. That's the skeleton of the human being. Then all the stuff that's added after the skeleton, it's like the, it's like in, in a, the steel in, in, a, in a building, right? Then you start putting all the other stuff on the steel. But the, the frame of the building, that's what the father brings to the table. That's all the white. The mother brings all the electrical work and plumbing and all the other stuff that goes on into your body. That comes from the mother. But that still doesn't make you, that still doesn't make you alive. You can have, you can have a, a frame, and you can have all the other organs, but if you don't have breath, if you don't have life, so it's just a body. So what gives the life in the sham of a person? That comes from Hashem. There's three partners in every person, mother, father, and God. Mother is the color of the person, father is the basis of the person, and God is in the sham of the person. It's more for next week's shir. Pesach night, you have matzah, which is the white which is the man, which is the frame of the whole Pesach. The matzah is midday raisa. That's the frame. 
that the body is built on that night. You have the blood of the mother, the color of the mother, which is the four cups of yayin, which is the Rabbanon. And then you have the neshama that Hashem puts in us, and that's the mitzvah of Sipri Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. So, every Pesach night, we create through the Seder, which I'll go into much more, I'll show you some like wild stuff next week, that, that we create at the Seder ourselves. We create our foundation, our color, our color means our excitement, our emotion. Blood is emotion, blood is color. The color of a person is his emotion, which comes to, his emotion comes from his mother, which is true. Female has more emotion than a man. And, and the CPC is the triumph, which you have a mitzvah to do all night, is the more you do it, the more neshama that you bring into the verse. So we build, we build that night a person. Now, I don't know how many people have ever had children, but when you have a child, so when the woman is ready to give birth, they, they wheel, they wheel her, into the delivery room. So there's a birthing room where she's screaming and yelling and going through all her pain. But then when the baby's up, up, the head is down, the head is showing, she's 10 centimeters, they're ready to pull this kid out, right right away, they go into the delivery room. Now the delivery room looks a lot different than the birthing room. The birthing room has a beautiful bed with a television, sometimes water noises, and, and you know, they want to keep her like, relax, the lights are dim. It's a beautiful room. You think you're in a hotel room. Really, you think you're in a hotel room, birthing room. When the baby, when this 10 centimeters, the baby's head is showing, they're like, okay, delivery room. And the delivery room is an operating room. It's got that big fat light and like the stretcher in the middle with, with forceps and, 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 and knives and, and, and anesthesia and just in case, right, there's something wrong. It's extremely metal. It's extremely stainless steel. It's extremely sterile. Everything when you walk in there is covered in plastic or wrapped, right? That's where the baby is delivered. The baby has to be delivered in a room that is free of bacteria. Totally free of bacteria. During the labor, there can be plenty of bacteria in the room. She's in a hospital room. But when the, when the baby's coming out, when that baby comes out into the world, the room has to be totally free. Everyone's scrubbed. Everyone's wearing. Even the father who comes into the room has to be dressed in scrubs. You know, the things on your shoes, the things on your head, your hair, everything. You cover it from head to toe. What do you mean? I'm the father. Hey, it's my baby. What do you, what do you Hey, hey, I, you know, I'm going to wear gloves. No, they don't want you into that room unless you're covered from head to toe. Why? Because the baby is very sensitive to bacteria. So Shim Shem says, on a, on a level of Kabbalah, the night of Pesach, you're delivering a baby. The, the Seder table is the operating room. When you look around the Seder table, there are all kinds of tools to deliver this baby. There's matzah, there's moror, there's karpas, there's, there's wine, there's sipritsiyas mitzrayim. There's many different things that are in this operating room to bring this baby, which is you, right, to be created into this world to become part of this nation. And therefore, in this room, in this house, there can't be any bacteria. What's the bacteria? Chametz. So therefore, when you sit at that seder, there cannot be any chametz in the room belonging to you or have anything to do with you. So it's mamish like delivering a baby, and when you deliver that baby, since chametz represents the Yitzhahara and the Sultan and all the things that we do wrong, therefore that cannot be in the room. So it's like, like a Seder is a whole different thing than we think. Totally different than what we think. But the main thing that you need to know tonight is that in the next two weeks, when you're cleaning for Pesach, and you should clean for Pesach, that you should say when you're cleaning that I'm that I'm cleaning this away, Hashem, and just like I'm doing this physical act in this world, 
you should clean away my Averas in the spiritual world. And it's a crazy present that we have, that we only have now. We only have at least two weeks before Pesach. And if, if you, um, if you look inside, he says that, you should tell the women that when they're cleaning the, the kalim from chametz, that they should have in mind that Hashem, the way they're burning and cleaning and, and getting rid of the chametz, Hashem should get rid of the Yitzhahara and his wife. I don't want to say her name. Menorah's from the, from the world. And, and he says that Hashem will, will do that. And the, on the bottom, he says that that's why we need Bidika and Srefa and Bittal, and all these things that we do, we should have in mind that, um, that we, sh- we should have in mind that when we clean up and we do the things, and don't, and if you're going to a hotel for Pesach and you're not going to do anything, then you should go help someone else. Go to someone's house who needs help and clean for them. And he says, listen carefully, I'll read to you what, what this is a Kabayasha, which is from the other world. The Yesh Kabbalah Biyadi, he says, in my name, the Kabayasha says, any work that a person does for the for the covid of the yot of the pesach, and he becomes very tired from doing this, cleaning the car, whatever it is. As I through this work, who he kills all the mazikim that are called diseases. This is a freebie, guys. A guy came to me today, I haven't asked me how, what, a tikkun for this, and here's the tikkun, I should have told you this. A person who's busy in the work of the mitzvah of Pesach, and that can mean baking matzahs, cleaning your house, right? He fixes the avera of mitzi shikwazer levatola. By cleaning for Pesach, you don't gotta fast, you don't gotta do all kinds of crazy things. He says, you wanna be misake, that avera, a boy's avera, you should work hard to clean Pesach. That's what he says there. He says, and you know in the bitterness of your heart that not one boy is saved from doing this sin. Therefore, you should fix what you can. Hashem will be makabal. Imagine working for Pesach to get rid of that Avera. Okay. Next week we'll talk about... Um, We'll talk about setting the table and that it should be done by a Jew and there's a lot more on the subject. I want to end. So, so we have to understand that, that, that Pesach is all about taking the physical world and making it spiritual. And by the way, that's, that's why you're in this world. That's why you guys are all here tonight. Every single guy that's sitting in this room or listening to Torah anytime, or watching Torah anytime or listening to Kalalash. And I want you to know why you're in this world. You need to know why you're here. First of all, you're here because you asked to be here. Number one, don't think for one second that you were forced to come here. Here's a very clear Zoyar. It's also brought down in, in a few others for him that I've seen that, that before a soul comes to this world, God shows the soul the fantastic potential of what a great tzaddik that soul can become. First he shows him, right, because there's sort of a, um, there's sort of a contradiction. It says, better not to come to this world than to come to this world. That's what it says. Taif shaloi bolailam. Better, better not to be here. That's what it says. But then there's a mission in Pekayavas that says, it's better to be in this world one second, to do good deeds, one second in this world, than the whole, forever infinite in the next world. 
contradiction. First it says it's better not to be here. Then it says it's better to be here for one second than being in the whole other world forever. Make up your mind. So the Zoyar explains that it's not a contradiction. The first thing Hashem shows you before your soul comes down here is how bad you can do. Girls, Facebook, or other garbage that's in the world. Hashem shows that to the soul. Man, you can come down here and be the worst lowlife that was ever in the world. And then Hashem says, I'm not going. I'm done. I'm not interested. I don't want to go down there and start doing all this crazy stuff. I'll take the punishment up here. I'll go to Gehenna. They'll lash me with a bunch of fiery, whatever, whatever I got to go through. Right? I don't, I'm not here to scare you. You, you, you. you can't even understand what the next world is. You, you can't even understand it. You can't understand. Imagine, imagine you put your finger in, you put your hand in a fire and just left it in there. Right? The fire of this world is one 60th? No, one 60th. The worst fire in this world, the biggest fire, the hottest fire, is one 60th of the fire in Gehenim. And, and there's no way out. It's not a good place. And the, and the, the, the Gehenim of Sheleg, the Gehenim of, of Ice, is much worse than the Gehenim of Aish. Because the Gehenim of Ice doesn't only freeze you, but at the same time, and that's why we have it in this world so we can understand, there's a thing called Mesechtis Gehenim. That's wrote down in Rashi's Chachma. I would not advise anyone to learn it. No, I'm telling you not to learn it, right? Because you forget about it. But, but there is a thing in the, everything in this world is to teach us the next world. There's a thing in this world called a freezer burn. If you touch something really, really cold, you, you're not only going to freeze your finger, but you're going to burn your finger. It's a freezer burn, dry ice, all these things. So why did Hashem show us that? Because in the world, in the Gehenna of Shelleg, which is six months Shelleg, five, five and a half months Shelleg, five and a half months Aish, Right? You don't only freeze, but at the same time that you freeze, you burn. Because it's so cold. So, it's not a good place to go. For a second. Forget about it for 11 months, of whatever that means in the other world. This is all not good stuff, right? Now, I don't teach from, I never teach from, you're going to go to hell, you're going to burn, you're going to freeze. That's not where I come from. But on the other hand, it's a reality. And therefore, if you have a chance to get rid of Averis by vacuuming, you're going to feel like a real idiot if you come up to Shemayim and they're like, you just have to vacuum for Pesach. And you would save yourself two months in the fire and three months in the ice. And you're like, uh, but I went to a hotel, you know. I, I, I get my car in a car wash. Like, you know, I'm sorry, you know. And, and, and you, you missed the whole boat. You missed the whole boat. So, so in this world, we have a chance to, you know, to be misogynist. So, so when Hashem shows this, this nefesh who has to make a, a, a decision in the Shama. Because if we were all perfect in this room, we wouldn't be here anymore. We'd be sitting in Ganadin with Moshe Rabbeinu, including me. I'm no better than anyone else there because I'm here. So I'm no better than anyone else. I came back down here because I wasn't where I was supposed to be. If I was where I was supposed to be, I wouldn't be here with you guys. I'd be up there with those guys, right? So I'm just as bad as it. We're all in the same boat. We're not that bad. We didn't come back as a black cat or a dog or, or a vegetable plant or a rose, right, or a cow. We're not going to be Sino steak and kosher delight, you know. So we're, we're, we weren't, we, everyone in this room, you weren't that bad last time. Now that may make you feel bad because if you weren't bad that, ba- that bad this time, now you're bad. That was stupid. What'd you come back for? You know, you, you had it made in the shade. You, you were, you were, you got a 50 on your test. Now you're coming back with an 8 on your test. That's stupid, right? So we know we weren't that bad. We didn't come back in a Gilgal. None of us. We're not running around being chased by Malachim and we're not a Dibbuk. 
So we weren't, we're not that bad, right? They let us into the next world. We weren't that good that we're sitting in even the lower. There's two Ganadins, Ganadin Shamata, Ganadin Shamala. We didn't even make Ganadin Shamata, none of us. So we weren't that good last time either. So we're sort of baiting him. We're mediocre guys. So now we come back and we know this. We all have this knowledge. I have this knowledge. I know that last time I was here, I was no big tzaddik, but I was no big Russia. I was like a middle guy. Or I wouldn't be back as a human, right? So, so what am I, stupid? Now I want to go back as a Russia? I came back to do better. So the first scene that, that the Nefek Neshama has, so, so Neshama says, oh, and I read you a story once from Navas Chaim, where this Neshama had to go to Gehenna, and he said, I, I don't want to go back to the world. I don't want to take a chance. I don't want to come back worse. So he, I'll go to Gehenna. I'll handle it. He was sent to Gehenna for one day. That was his, not 11 months, one day, one day. So he was 120 miles, Parsim, out of Gehenna. And he turned to the Malachim and said, okay, I'm in Gehenna. Leave me here. They said, you're not even close to the gates of Gehenna. You're 120 Parsim out of Gehenna. He said, I'm 120, I'm not even close to the gates of Gehenna. They said, this is nothing. The Abbas Chaim brings down the story. So he went back to Bezan Shomayla. He said, I'll, I'll go down to the other world. I'm not, I'm not dealing with Gehenna. So all of us in this room, we all said, we're not dealing with Gehenna. All of us, we don't like, we don't like it too hot and we don't like it too cold. We all decided we're coming back here. Now, when you make that decision, God is MS and, right? So when you make that decision, He has to show you the truth. So He's not sending you to Disneyland. Right? He's sending you into a world. So the first thing he shows you is how bad you could be. I'm going, you know, you're going to give birth. You're going to be born in Brooklyn, you know, near Avenue J in America. And this is what, you know, this is, and they show you the potential of what a Russia and all the various that you do. And then the Shema says, I'll go to Gehenna because if I go back and do that, I mean, I only have a sentence to be in Gehenna for two months. According to what you just showed me, I'm going to be in Gehenna forever. So there is such a thing as being in Gehenna forever too. So he's like, I don't want to go back. So that's when the Gemara says, Toiv better not to be born. Then Hashem says, but wait, there's another side to the things. If you go back, you have a potential to be a big tzaddik, to make someone smile, to help a child, to give tzedakah, to do a mitzvah. Oh, so the Neshama says, forget about what I just saw in the back part. I can do this. I can do mitzvahs. I can come to the world and help people. I can do kibbutz of aim. All these crazy mitzvahs. In this world, I'm stuck. I can't do anything. I'm willing to go. So the Gemara that says that he says, I don't want to go, that's after the first thing when they show him how bad he can become. The Gemara that says, the mission that says, come back to this world for a moment is better than the whole next world. That's the potential on the good side. So that's when the Neshama says, send me down to this world and we are all here because that's what we chose. So now that we're all here, each one of us has the potential to take any physical thing that we're here, we're here in this world, to take any physical thing in the world, right, except cigarettes, because then you don't make a bracha. Some guy told me you make charcoal, charcoal near the No, not true, not true. I had one clown, I once gave this share, he says, I say tulas aderach before I take my marijuana, I go on a trip, but I say tulas aderach. I'm like, that's not even funny, that's not even funny. We don't make brachas on things that hurt us. You don't make brachas on things that hurt you. Not allowed to. So, once you're here, you're empowered to take anything physical in this world and make it spiritual. And that's the greatness of Pesach, because we're either in the spiritual world or in the physical world. We have Rosh Hashanah, we have Yom Kippur, and we have Sukkot. Pesach is the creation of the human being as a nation, and therefore you're in both worlds. You're, you can't eat chametz, but you can eat matzah. 
You can't have chametz, but you drink wine, and you leave when you drink the wine. But on the same hand, you have marar, which which we're going to talk about next week. Marar, if you look at the Seder plate, it's a very happy night. It's a night when we got out of Mitzrayim. It's a night when we became free. It's a night when you become free from your slavery. Now, if the Ka'ara, the Seder plate, represents the night, what do you put in the center of this wonderful, amazing night? I would put the Zroya, Karben Pesach. The Zroya represents Karben Pesach. That should be in the middle. If you don't put the Zroya, the Charoses, sweet, even though it reminds us of bricks, right? Or maybe the Bayo, which reminds us of the Karma Chagiga, maybe the Karpas. But the last thing that I would put is the center, the center, the center of my Ka'ora means that's the center of the night, the center of what's going on. What is in the center, everybody? Mara. The center of, of my night of freedom is Mara? Not only that, but the only thing that has two on the Seder plate is the Mara. You have the, the Mara. No, everyone agrees. Father Mashkenazim, Mara is in the middle. Mara is in the middle. So this Chazeres, maybe not you guys. Maybe you guys, I don't know what you guys do. But the Chazeres and the Mara are both really Mara. They both represent Mara. So, why is that in the middle? Why is that in the middle? Why is bitterness in the center of my freedom? And the answer is what we spoke about last week. Struggle is what gets you out of your personal slavery. Without struggle, you can't get out. There's a young boy that I know very well who was addicted to um, Oxycontin and some other pills. Ended up on heroin. And I wanted to send him to rehab. I got him into rehab. And the rehab said, we can't take him. Because he can't come into rehab and psychologically we should work on him to stop doing drugs until he gets detoxed. He's got to go to detox before he goes to rehab. And I'm like, what happens in detox? And they're like, you don't want to watch a drug addict get detoxed. Shivers, sweating, tied down to the bed because when the body has to get rid of these chemicals that it's so dependent on the body fights itself it's so used to it what it doesn't have it turns it turns on itself so he says before we do any rehab any psychological rehab you got to do detox if you don't detox you can talk to him tell him stories put him part of aa ga ba za it doesn't make any difference until he's clean he's got to be clean he's got to be detoxed and detox is a terrible terrible and I spoke to this kid, He's, it's crazy suffering, and that's why a lot of drug addicts don't want to go to rehab, because they know they got to go to detox, and that's suffering for five days or four days, and withdrawal symptoms, it's, it's crazy. Now, why does Hashem do that? If the guy made a decision, he doesn't want to do drugs anymore, stop, and what's, what's, this, what's this, you know, did you have to be detoxed? And the answer is that everything in the physical world is a mirror to everything in the spiritual world. And therefore, when you're full of avarice, and you're full of sins, and you're full of dirt, and all kinds of stuff, and now you want to take the step to go to rehab, to daven, and to have a seder, and to make brachas, and do everything else, you got to detox. What's a detox? The detox is the tshuva, to ask forgiveness, to stop. And, it's, and, and, and I spoke about this a few weeks ago. 
part of the detox of the Avera, part of the tshuva, guys, of what you, when you step out of line and you do an Avera even once, part of the tshuva is the missing the Avera. You know, having a girlfriend and then stopping to have a girlfriend, you're lonely. And, and, and you miss that person to talk to. I'm not even getting to the physical part, right? So, so, so the guy's like, Rebbe, I can't do this. I'm, I'm, I'm cracking up. I need a girl. I'm like, why do you need a girl? Because you're with a girl. If you were never with a girl, you wouldn't need a girl. So, so not being with a girl now, that is your detox. That is your tshuva. Who caused that? Who, why does this guy need to be detoxed? Because he took drugs. I don't need to be detoxed. I don't need to sit there and be detoxed. I am detoxed. I'm walking around the whole time detoxed. I don't have any toxic things in me as far as drugs are concerned. So, so, so part of the suffering of being detoxed, of going to rehab and going through that whole thing, part of the, the suffering is what makes you clean. And whether it's alcohol or gambling or anything else, you never gamble, so you don't miss gambling. If you, if you gamble and you make $20,000 in 20 minutes, then, you know, and you're at work and you're in business and you can't make a dime, so, oh man, I can make it, but I, I can't go, but I can't, but I can't go, but I, I, right? That whole thing, stopping smoking, right? Guys stop smoking, they're climbing the walls, they're eating, they're chewing gum, they're chewing straws, they're trying all kinds of tricks. I'm, I'm not, I'm not chewing, you know, I don't miss smoking because I never smoked. So the, so the rehab, the struggle is what brings the freedom. And once you go through that struggle, you become free. You're not willing to struggle? You're not willing to struggle? I tell you right now, you'll never, ever become clean. If you think you can just become clean, just on your own, it's the greatest mistake that a drug addict makes. I'll stop on my own. You can't. You got to go through detox. You got to struggle. A person in life, you want to grow in a muna, and you want to grow spiritually, you got to get rid of the chametz before you can eat the matzah. And that struggle of, of stopping the bad behavior that you had, and you're saying to Hashem, that's the question that I get a lot. Why is he giving me such a hard time, God? I stopped. So why doesn't he make it easy? Why do I miss it? Why do I miss smoking? Why do I miss drinking? I made a decision to stop. Because you caught, that's the consequence of drinking. Now you miss drinking. But you know what? After a while, it'll go away. Because you're going to have to fill that up with Torah and with mitzvahs. That's what Pesach represents. Pesach was a struggle. The whole Mitzrayim was a detox. The whole 210 years of being slaves, what have to be slaves for? Yaakov Avinu, we have 12 tribes. Let's go to Israel. Party time. We have to go to Mitzrayim and become slaves. Become a nation. To become a nation, we had to struggle together. You struggled, I struggled, so there was a common denominator. Common denominator was we were all struggling. And from that struggle, and going to the 49th level, came Am Yisrael, who went to get, who went to get the Torah. So the whole Pesach represents a struggle. A struggle. And matzah, which doesn't rise, which is broken, which is lechem oni. That's, from that matzah, came our, came our freedom. And I think, that, that, that the two main things that we have on Pesach, which is wine and matzah, is through struggle. Because how do you get grain? It's not like an apple. This is my own little thought that I had. How do you get, how do you get flour for matzah? How do you get flour for matzah? You gotta take those kernels, 
You got to put them in a grindstone between two grindstones, which get very hot, right? And they rub against each other, and that breaks open the kernel. Then you got to, then you got to, it doesn't just happen like. Then you got to first you got to plant it, then you got to, then you got to harvest it, then you got to winnow it when they throw it up in the air, and, and the psyllis, the parts of the plants get separated. It's called winnowing from the kernel. Then you have the kernel. Then you got to grind the kernel. Then you got to have the, you got to sift the flour. To make sure that the flour is all white, it doesn't have bugs and all the other stuff in it. It's such a crazy process. Water, you pull out of the well. Have a nice day. The flour. The flour has to be shmira, mishask tzira. Has to be watched from the beginning of the struggle. The rabbi has to watch it from the beginning of its struggle till it becomes a matzah. Matzah is the greatest representation of a plant that to get to the final product, you have to struggle the most to get out of a little kernel to get flour. What's the second thing? that has to be struggled to get it, is a grape. You have to squeeze it and crush it and mush it until you get that drop of wine. It's not just water or just the fruit that you pick from the tree. So the two things that you have at the Seder table, the two main things, which is matzah and wine, are two earthy things that grow on the earth that need the most work to get the product. That's the representation of Pesach. representation of Pesach is that from the most work comes freedom, like this girl said. From that freedom of sitting by the Seder, that's how you become free of, of what you're going through. It doesn't have to be drugs, and it doesn't have to be girls. It could be Lashon Hara, it could be Kibbut of Aim, it could be respect, it could be selfishness, it could be meanness, it could be whatever you're struggling with. It could be being cheap and being a miser. Whatever you're struggling with, you have to know that from that struggle and working, it's not just going to happen. It's not just taking Prozac. It's not just popping a pill and I was depressed and now I'm not depressed. That doesn't work. It helps just at that moment. But it doesn't fix. You have to struggle through your stuff. If you struggle through your stuff, you'll end up with Shana Haba, Yerushalayim. And that's what we say, Chasal Pesach. Every, every year, our enemy tries to destroy us, right? We say, Hisha Abna, Shemachol Davadar. Every single generation, they get up to destroy us. It doesn't only mean Goyim. Hey, this gen- no one tried to destroy us this year. What's it talking about? The enemy is a satan. Every single year, he doesn't leave us alone. He tries to destroy us. How do we overtake him? By cleaning out our chametz, by doing abedikas chametz, by working for Pesach, by working on ourselves. And that's chus, bezrat Hashem. L'shana Abba, Yushalayim. This will be the year where we don't, we don't only have matzah, and we don't only have yayin, but we finally have a carbon Pesach. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.